as soon as one engages first breath, the wonder, the mystery of life is all within one, around one, everywhere, in all beings, in all of creation, in, in oneself. And the very heart and soul and life breath of one as a baby, newborn, seeks direction, mysterious, remembered, or not adequately remembered, being, becoming, from the past in this moment toward, that's the great question, isn't it? Who are you? Who am I? What ineffable signature of eternity has wrought its penmanship upon the walnut shells to form ink, the flower petals to form carmine pigment for my friend Cynthia, so that she might paint the skies of her beloved Bermuda or Vermont, so that I might remember my love for her and God on this day. For her husband, Henry, who might say, Beth, if only you could be in a little boat with us today as I chart the seas, just as Cynthia's father took her out in a boat when she was a little girl, so she would be unafraid of him and of the ocean and of the skies and the stars and that which forms the pigments from earth and tree bark and flower petal. And so Cynthia and I share the fact that our fathers partially shepherded us beyond weapons. So when we breathe, we are both astonished at how much we have been loved by the men through whose bodies we were conceived and brought for me these 70 years thus far safely. Everywhere one has breathed this one upon this earth thus far, that you and you and you and you and you and bears and eagles and willow trees and rose bushes and little tufts of grass and lilies of the valley and Princess Charlotte in England and all of the girls of her generation and ever after and ever before and all of the boys and all of the people might remember heaven everywhere, always. Garden. And then a woman caretaking a child in her womb her heart, her arms, might remember adequately, I come from this signature. It is in my coming child. How shall it be for them? Oh, now they are to be born into a wondrous world. So let us begin with the animals of our fathers and mothers. When we live as a human being, 
we look toward the next breath so that it might be safe. <clears throat> I will live whether you shall or not. Or you will die so that I might live. Or let's both live and make a deal. Or let's love each other and control something so I control a little more so I live a little more than you do. Or why do we follow these equations of argument rather than harmony? Well, because some part of us has the perception, and we're taught this, to survive. If one survives and the other child does not, well, then one is alive and the other child is not. This happens in the nests of birds and mammals. And this happens in the hearts and souls of all kinds of creatures, including human beings. So if instead I turn to you and I have a winter fruit in my hands and I ask, would you like a seed of this fruit? Would you like a piece of this pecan or walnut? And you and you and you and myself, we are one in the tree of life and we are seeking the safe deliverance of the heart and soul of the human being a signature, a veritable signature, which has been represented to us by all of the founders and their loved ones and families of all of the world faith traditions and great cultures. And we tend to follow the principles to a certain degree, and then we either sacrifice ourselves. Here, you take all of the fruit. You have all of the walnuts. Or we hide them and say, well, I don't have any pecans, I'm sorry. It's my portion. It's not yours, I'm not going to share. Or we share, but we don't share in the mystery. We remove the signature of the creator of the tree and have what I like to call the tantrum. It's my tree. They're my walnuts. We play Eve. Adam, come this way. And, you know, it's about time Adam said, I remember the tree of life, Eve. I think it's time to go home now. I would really like to see the patriarchs answer immature feminism that way. Anyone with a Y chromosome, I invite you so completely. Right beside you, all women, men, people. Eve, I, woman, here, Beth age 70, I would like us to go back to the tree of life now. So the tree of knowledge is luminous. Resolute. Created as that tree of the garden of the cosmos was meant to be. And then so are you and so am I and we will know what to do then not craft the branches into weapons, not craft the roots into the handles for further weapons, but rather live in the open place wherein the sap flows and find ourselves there. As we've always been waiting to realize and then what starts to happen is the whole universe 
becomes an expression of something which is not really lethal or toxic or dangerous or life-threatening, but rather something holy of the holiness of heaven. So I would invite you to be within this retreat seeking the sanctity and home that is really within your soul and heart and life, if you would allow it. It's up to you and God, up to you and the universe. For me, here we go. Years ago, <coughs> my father would take me out as a very tiny baby when I was a tiny baby. He was 23 years old, he and my mother both, when I was born. And he several times carried me on his back way up under the hills above his family home in Corning, New York, and up above the cottage, up in Cuca Lake, New York, up into the hills. And I can actually remember the quality of the woods and the land and my father's breathing and the absolutely primordial way in which he taught me to live, unafraid, unabashedly in love with God, everywhere, my father. There isn't one cell of his body which ever caused me to be afraid, not one. I've spoken a number of times how I was with him at his death, and I asked, Daddy, do you want me to swim you to the shore? He shook his head now. I would swim my father anywhere in the cosmos, unafraid of God. Who am I really? I live in the hollow shell to be the pearl of his heart. My father's body, the X and Y chromosomes of his body, grew and lived and worked and clothed me and housed our, my, my mother, my siblings and my mother, and care took me so that the pearl of light and the pearl of creation that is the mysterious nature of the cosmos, you know, I never leave it. Why would I leave the home of my father's heart? And so I find that every breath and every moment, I'm like a childlike student of what to do at my father's knee, what to do at his side, what to do at the side of him beside every human being upon the earth. And I stay with this until I know what to do because that is the methodology of my father's teaching. We do not leave the Y chromosome for a weapon ever, ever. Ever. And so the most interesting thing, no one's killed me. I've been attacked several times, very brutally actually. 
I know other people who've been killed. There are people who've been killed today. Our souls are with them in prayer and life, that wherever they are going, and wherever their family and friends and loved ones and progeny are, we can continue in God's name, the universe's name through them, to seek that which is beyond anything that could kill them. Their lives will not have been in vain, not in my father's heart and soul, not the historian he was. And then the place where the very mystery of the divine resides in all of us is our home. We are living there. We are seeking that. We are studying that. We are representing that. And if we are virtuous, we will always know what to do. If we fall, we must get up. Period. This is up to each of us. So we commence this retreat by turning to the quality in nature that was so dear to my father. I think it's his greatest love within his personality, let us say. The world of nature, look at that tree, that geological formation, look at the deer. He's going to cross the lake to escape the hunter. And so my father's attention was turned on the nature of, turned toward the nature of life. Look at the creature, look at that rare bird. Look at that quality that's only in the light of the Pleiades in August on my grandmother's quilt, looking up at the night sky. What is the shared direction of the creator and one's heart? Trusting that one is alive, not into the fear of what a creature would do to us, but into the wonder of what that creature might realize with us. So from early infancy, in his arms, he might pick up a tiny baby crayfish, as, as small as my little fingernail, my fingernail of my small finger, tiny, tiny springtime crayfish. Betsy, look. And then as I got older, finding them with him. And then older, let's take this little one and put it in a little dish with water. We would let it go later, but we have to be careful. They're so delicate, we cannot hurt their shell. And then bigger ones, how to handle them so that the claws were not too sharp, wouldn't bite, pinch. And he would let me know all around the shores of this great lake, Cuca Lake. It's not one of the Great Lakes, but the Great just large. 20 miles in length, close to a mile across from where our little cottage is. There were the little crayfish. He'd say, everywhere, look, under the little rocks, the big ones. We must take care of them. 
and the fish, in the deep, in the shallows, over here in the cove in the seaweed, out in the clear depth, the lake trout. We must take care of them. <coughs> and one of the remarkable places of understanding which my father was able to bring to me in the resonance of his silence and philosophical wisdom and love is my knowledge that the animals were taking care of us too. He or a neighbor might catch a fish. My mother might then have my father clean the fish and I would help him when I was old enough, or my brother Mike would. And then my mother might cook the fish with eggs for breakfast on a Sunday. Gratitude that the whole universe in our little world was sustaining us. Appreciated. Where did the fish begin and the lake end? Where did my father begin and my mother end? Where do you begin and I end? And so we live in a culture right now where someone will say, I, I don't really like fish. I, I never learned to fish. My parents weren't like that. Or, oh, I love to fish. I want to go away from everyone and fish. We, we have this idea of grasping and canceling, a duality. And, you know, on a dualistic level, you have nothing to do with the fish. It's not a one-two argument. We're all part of a creation, you and the fish. And so in that unity of the aurora borealis and the sun and the moon and all the fish of the world and you and me, there have been countless fish from before you or I were conceived and born in these bodies. There will be countless fish long after you and I are gone from these bodies. Our signature of ego is not particularly important to the fish or the other human beings, really. Unless we invite the universal principle that is so active at this time. There's enormous argument politically and sociologically in the world, yet from where I sit as a contemplative, it's a potent time of Satchitananda, the bliss of consciousness, a phrase used in Hinduism, a potent time of Satchitananda acting. I'm very kindergarten-like. I'm very childlike being present with what's going on on the planet Earth today. And I found two aspects, which is what I decided to begin this or commence this retreat with, because they were so... Uh, unexpected and natural. I thought I simply going to speak about them. I'll begin with something that happened about 25 years ago. I have had four or five times in my life when I've been very ill and, uh, you know, we, we're, we're mortal, we, we're born, we're conceived, we're born, we live at some point, we will fall away from these bodies. And at that time, I was living in the southwestern United States and I had a remarkable experience of dolphins 
from off the coast of New Zealand. The area is called, uh, well, it's off the northeastern coast of the South Island of New Zealand. So you can investigate this if you're so so uh, engaged. A large pot of dolphins came to me in the middle of the night when I was very, very, excuse me, very, very seriously ill. And they simply helped me. I, I didn't understand that this was possible. I love animals. Of course, I've been talking about this. I've hunted them, fished them, had pets. I've um, explored photographing and walking and looking. I've been bitten by poisonous spiders. I've been nipped at by my old um, blue healer dog. I've had kittens and admired tropical creatures. And, but, but I'm not special. I might say they are. Look at that bird. Look at my friend Nancy's late horse. Oh, what an extraordinary creature. And so there's a quality in the signature of each animal, a praying mantis, a panda, a leopard, a snow leopard, an elephant, a common insect, a rare creature, a manta ray. There's a quality in Buddhism called sentience, that which can sense through consciousness. The five senses plus whatever senses a human being has or other creatures might have that we do and don't understand or perceive. And sentience means that there is a willing, loving capacity in that other being to have a relationship with God. They were actually made that way, created of that, of Satchitananda, of the bliss of consciousness, of grace. What does that mean? It's so mysterious. They are made of the divine like a spark. So are you. And so many human beings tend to believe, well, the humans are here. It's our planet. It's my planet. It's more my planet than yours or more yours than mine. And we've relegated the animals to a sort of zoo-like quality within our own inadequate intelligence. But they don't live in cages in your mind or mine. They, they're discrete creatures. The bliss of their consciousness has gifts that you or I do not. Every single one of them. So how many animals are there upon this planet Earth? What are they all doing together? What are they all doing as individuals? And so I begin our retreat with the fact that these, these years ago now, my actual experience was that the dolphins came and saved my life. And so Blaine, who's worked with me for 40 years next year, uh, was willing to take me to them. And... One of my two nieces uh, journeyed with us and was privileged to swim with them. I simply went 
and prayed with them, which I do every breath, every moment. I, who am child of Dolphin, child of William Airy, George Hinn, and Teresa Helen Wonderlichen, and you, how do the animals of the cosmos move through this place we call Earth that you or I might find the capacity of heaven for which we live here beyond the predation and the warfare of our negligence and our lack of love? Let us pray and practice blessed and beautiful new year.